0: Welcome to episode 580 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Righto, team welcome along to episode 580 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James oh How you go, mate? Pretty good. We've got, we've got a special guest in the, in the studios today. We might get him on at the end. Yeah, we've got to get him on. Yeah. You know, he look, he look, he looks terrible, John. He
1: won't look, be able to hear us. Off school. Yeah, Thomas Newsom is in the crowd today. Yeah. But he can't hear us because he's got his headphones on and he's probably playing Roblox or something like that. But he said, I want
0: to be on at 9 o'clock because school starts at 9 and then something, what's happening at 9? He's doing eco-action. He's a very strong green greenie. He's voting the Greens, is he? Well, he, he sees
1: all the billboards out there. So we've got our elections coming up in New Zealand and he sees Labour, clean rivers. Yep. He goes, well, I'd, I'd vote Labour. There it's you like, go. Yeah, where's the money coming
0: from, Thomas? Hey, they're
1: texting the farmers <laughs> Anyway, enough about New Zealand politics.
0: <laughs> okay, uh, in this week's show, we've got. Oh, I'm talking. Talk is proudly brought to you by. ethlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. And extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our patrons. And let's name a few, John.
1: We have Lucy Blinkers-Francis. We've got Matt
0: Albatross-Young. And Michael the Hawk Threadgold. I love your work. If you want to become a patron of I Am Talk, go to www.iamtalk.me. And this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a discussion of the week. We've got Stats-Tastic. We've got a website of the week. We've got a quick Coach's Corner. We have... And then we've got an interview. We have. We've got Charles Adamo. So you guys will have heard
1: us talking about <laughs> the Collins Cup. You may have heard a little bit from Charles. I'm not sure how much you included from the press conference we went to over in Challenge Rote. I may have done one. But I can't remember. Basically talking through where they're at with the challenge, uh, the Collins Cup at this stage. So if you don't recall, it's going to be at Challenge Rote next year. Uh, format is amazing. What we're all waiting to do, see is... What sort of coverage is going to be? How much money is going to be? And who's going to be racing? So Charles is going to give us a bit of a bit of an update on where
0: they are. Yeah, pretty interesting stuff happening there. And uh, we've got a quick winger of the week in questions and answers. Okay, guys. Well, this weekend the big race has been a big big weekend for triathlon, really, with this with long distance world championships happening. And we had some pretty good racing, didn't we? It was in Penticton, so
1: over where they used to have Ironman Canada, and have had Challenge uh, Challenge Penticton the last couple of years. Uh, I was checking out the coverage on the day; it looked like a pretty spectacular day, and some fast racing. So Lionel Sanders, not unsurprisingly, took it out. He kind of thought he would be the man to to win the title. But he didn't do it. Yeah, It wasn't a do-do domination, was it? Well, this is where the, the I haven't found out the full story. But so you, normally you'd think Lionel Sanders going to be second or third pack out of the swim if he has a good day. Yep. And then he'll just crush it on the bike and then and probably crush it on the run as well. But his bike time was no quicker than the others really. So Josh no. Amberger was actually three minutes or two and a half minutes quicker than him. So I thought, oh, I wonder what was going on there. Then I did see that he did have a puncture or a slow oh, puncture of okay. some description. So it said, I saw on one page that he had a flat, and he said I should have carried a spare because I was crapping myself on one of the descents. So it sounded like he had a, a soft rear tyre or a soft yeah. tyre of some description, so we not a flat. Which happens lose speed, doesn't it? So that's probably why uh, his bike time was certainly not as fast. But holy smokes, he just kills it on the run. He ran a 1.45.35, so his total time was 5 hours 20 minutes. He swam 40.40, and that had him coming out... You know, um, with the likes of Jeff Simons, uh, a little bit down on Joe Gambles, but in terms of, say... Kind of third pick, wasn't he? Yeah, so Potts yeah. swam 38, and Josh Amberg swam 36, so kind of surprising Andy Potts wasn't right up the front front there. So he's still not, not there with his swim, but his swim is definitely getting better. It's not, in the past, he was like miles off the bat. Will he be
0: keenly? In Kona?
1: I think it'd be a good
0: swim if he was. Because yeah. if he gets out of Keenley, mm. that makes it a really interesting race, is not mm. it? Mm. So he rode
1: 251 for the 120Ks and then ran a 145.35. Mm. And he just crushed everybody on the run. Next fastest run was Andy Potts with a 149s, but four minutes into Potts. So I, I had one athlete racing there. I was wondering, was the course short? And the athlete that I coached um, did 29.4Ks. And it was in the age group race. So I assume it was exactly the same as, as for the pros. Uh, so marginally short. You know, you're always going to get a little bit of margin of error there. Yep. 600 metres, if it was 600 metres short, you know, that's a. A m- couple of minutes, maybe, um, for uh, the speed he was going, a minute and a half to two minutes. Uh, so even then, you know, a one hour forty-five is averaging three minute thirty per k. That is which amazing, is isn't it? Bitching it, that he is, is killing it. That is killing it. So he was, uh, he was, I think he was third off the bike and ran through Josh Amberger who was had a nice lead uh, at, a, at a, I think it was in the in somewhere in the twenty k mark and
0: uh, went on to win by just about two minutes, a minute and a half. Do you think maybe we're about to see a time where the runs are faster in Koning? You know, we've always talked about that sub two forty, and I, I sent through my picks to Thorsten um, yesterday, just to, you know, for his Kona coverage. Mm. And um, and I was looking at Patrick Lang last year, did the sub 240, which you know it's always talked about. It's mm-hmm. never happened. And in some ways, the guy hasn't really got enough credit. You know, like because no, no. it's, like, it's pretty sensational. Now, if Sanders can turn up to Kona and get out of the water off like Lay, which would be amazing because they're both axes on the bike and they could kind of work together. Mm. Are we going to see, you know, like Patrick Lang did the sub 240. Are we going to see the race now actually go closer, to, you know, more guys getting under that 240. You certainly would think so.
1: I mean, we're seeing it outside of Kona, and I don't have the stats to back this up. Maybe Torsten can get this is a little project for you. Yep, you know, how, how has the run progressed over the last years? years? Because I do get the, the feeling that guys are, are, are both biking a bit faster and definitely running a bit faster more consistently. Mm. Um, but, you know, I, I've got to think, you know, if, if Frodo fires up and has the best race that he can and Kona, the best run, he is going to annihilate that record mm. by so much it's not even funny. And uh, he hasn't yet. But he hasn't yet. No. And so a lot comes down to, you know, how hard they ride. But, yeah, Sanders, you know. Does this race work against Sanders? Is it too close to Kona to be running? No, I don't think so. It's far enough out, and it's not It's not a full. It's not. It's a little bit further than a half, but I think it'll probably take the same out of them as or maybe just a little bit more than a half. Although he did say he ran extremely hard. Yeah, obviously. So you can only... You know racing at this stage is not going to kill your kind of chances but if you really go super super deep it's probably going to take a little bit of an edge off you so I don't think it would hinder it too much, whether it helps it I don't know. So Lionel Sanders took it out uh, by, from Josh Amberger by a minute and a half, Joe Gambles ran his way up to third place with a 1 hour 50 run, uh, Andy Potts was fourth and Sylvan Sidri was in fifth. Drew Scott was in sixth place. Yeah, as nice well. work. Uh, so yeah, some pretty, uh, pretty nice racing. And on the girl side of things, Girls' side of things, again, incredibly impressive run split by Sarah Crowley. I mean, she's got to be probably the athlete of the season so far, winning championship races and uh, everything she seems to touch. She's in my corner picks. She's a New sure I picked it, yeah. She so she ran a 155, which again, much like Keenley, and uh, not much like um, Sanders. Sanders, you know, a good five minutes in front of everybody else. So 155 again might have been a little bit short, but if it was accurate, that's averaging 349 per k. Uh, and even if it's uh, was short, then you know she's still well under four minute per k for a 30k run or near on 20 miles. So. She's had an impressive season and won by uh you know three and a half minutes running down Healy Fredrickson who's you know is, is no slouch whatsoever, and Heather Wuschel in third place not quite catching her so Sarah Crowley, if she can hold that on to to Kona she's obviously just running up a storm pretty uh, quite weak in the swim relative to others so i suppose she still comes out with like Heather Wuschel and so on so yeah, if she can hold that form to Kona, she could be a real contender. So I'd love to know
0: where Daniella's back is, you know, because it wrote, her back was an issue, and she's still on the race quite comfortably, but it wasn't the performance that we've seen out of her in the last kind of 18 months, two years. It'll be interesting to see how that back, because backs can be a pain to get on top of, and Rote wasn't that long ago. No. So it would be really interesting to see if there's a bit of a chink in her armour. Now, you're, you're going to put your money on Reef any day of the week, but if there's a bit of a chink, mm-hmm. which means there's a bit of a, you know, gap, Mm-hmm. to wear her peak is that could be pretty fascinating as well
1: so heli Fredrickson was in second place uh heather werthel F- was in third uh, very close so they both went five fifty five. kaiser sally was in fourth she was in top uh, top handful in kona last
0: year and leander cave in sixth place nice we haven't heard her name in a while have we no no she's probably one of the athletes who won kona and went off the map pretty quickly afterwards. Her, yeah, her and Pete Jacobs are probably the two, wouldn't they? I watched a tiny little documentary on Pete
1: Jacobs. I, I skimmed through. I might bring it up next week. Um, it was sort of showing his lead up to challenge uh, to Ironman Kins this year and uh, the challenges that we all know he's been going through. But he thinks he's sort of hopefully found the answers. So it'll be interesting to see. A, if he's racing Kona, and B, uh, what sort of form he gets himself into.
0: Mm. Yeah, will we ever see mrs peak again? Okay, we also just, had so just lots of age
1: groupers. Yeah, lots of age groupers over there. I, I was because I was following the Twitter feed. They did have a live camera, but the live footage was pretty. Um, it was just average. I mean, they just had a camera sort of on the finish line and, and post around, so it wasn't much in terms of the live coverage. You did see Steve King, the famous, uh, we had him on Legends of Triathlon, a great commentator from uh, Canada, and he had this gigantic mullet going on. It was yeah. classic. Was it real? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. It's full head to hair. Oh. <laughs> and I uh, saw Jeremy Hopwood. Uh, The Canalian, he came over to do our I Am Talk camp. I saw him even making it onto the ITU feed, a picture of him crossing the finish line. Uh, And it looked to me, when I was looking at the results, it was about 821 age groupers racing in the the race. So medium-sized race, not gigantic. Just looking, have you looked at the age group results? Yeah, they didn't look. To be honest, and I'm not taking anything away from anybody, it didn't look that strong in terms of I always kind of look at the fastest age groupers versus the fastest female um, pros and the girls were taking the boys down. Oh really? So that's kind of my general yardstick. So uh, I think the first guy, I think he was in the 25 to 29 age group. So if we're thinking Sarah Crowley went to 551 and um, second and third were 555, if I look at the, I'm pretty sure he was either 25 to 29. But can you tell us what you did at the weekend?
0: Watched a lot of rugby, John. I tell you what, if you no, like New no, Zealand, typical. you liked our rugby this weekend, didn't you, John?
1: Well, I didn't watch it. Oh, what? Yeah. How'd you stuff that one up? Well, I went to see Dunkirk. Oh, did you like it? Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Pretty full on. Yeah, pretty full on. So first, first um, ma- male, I think he was first. Anyway, he was the first in the 25 to 29. He went 558. So I suppose he was, he was about f- fourth girl. Okay. But then he won the age group by 18 minutes.
0: Oh wow, so it was... and uh, then Without I, taking anything away from anyone who raced last weekend, is that the easiest way to get a world championship as an age group? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it would vary quite a bit depending on where it is. I
1: think it would be a lot harder if it was in Europe. If I look at my age group, 40 to 44 men, eh, I suppose it's not too bad, um, 601, 605 and 609. What would you expect to do? Well, the, first, the first girls went 551. Uh, five and then 5.55 for second and third, I would have thought I'd be... About
0: six. About six, something yep. like so that. So it's about that. Could have been a world champion. <laughs> Why'd you go to road? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, you could have just kept on training. I'm sure Belinda would have loved it. Yeah. Okay, um, so that's the long course champs. Where are they next year? I do not know the answer to that
1: but I would imagine they're probably in Europe.
0: Okay, okay. so we also had a couple non-pro races happen over the weekend. We had Coeur which is the last time it's going to be running there, which is a bit of a pity, and Vici as well. Do you want to name the winners? Or? Yes, we
1: have. So on the, the girls' side of things, uh, we had Haley Cooper-Scott take it out in 10.19 from Christina Marta in 10.25, and Olysia Prystalioch. Nice, didn't even get close here <laughs> at 10.47 <laughs> on the guys side of things. We had Mark So take it out 929 from Jose Gracia and 933 and Thomas Marin and 935 So pretty close racing.
0: Nice and then we had Vichy as well. So that was in France. We did and The results aren't as obvious it's, I looked at the results. It's not very well sorted out.
1: That's a good point, Bevan. Yeah,
0: it was actually all over the place. So I'm not sorry for those who took it out. Hold on, hold if
1: out. I can go to leaderboard here. Okay.
0: Well, while you're talking to that, that John you watched was, a lot of rugby, did you? <laughs> yes, I did. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> the All Blacks beat the Australians and in a, a, it was a pretty messy game, but it was an exciting game. But then the woman beat the Poms. Yes, that was good. In the World Championship final. And that was actually a really interesting game of rugby because in the first half, the Poms were dominating us. Did you watch that? I did not. Oh, it was a, good it was a really good game of rugby, and the palms were dominating us, so and it was like, we're going to get trout here, and then the second half blew them out of the water. Sensational.
1: Uh, so in Vici, we had Bruno Claire Bolt take it out in 8.40, um, Bart Wiebecki in 8.45, oh, close finish. Uh, third place is also 8.45, Stein, Valdeman, and then on the girls' side, I think Stephanie Adam took it out in 9.51, she won, uh, I'm pretty sure she was the fastest age grouper in Kona a few years ago. Uh, Candace Gee, that's a
0: good memory if you remember that.
1: Just remember the name. Candice Mizon was second in 10.02 and Celia Kirch, she used to be down from, uh, she used to do Wanaka, Challenge Wanaka in 10.06 in third place. It's a massive difference in times there between uh, Cord Lane, where the winner went uh, 9.29 versus over in Europe 8.40, 8.45, 8.45, I'll go into that a little bit later on as
0: well. You've got here. Sorry, you've got here. Why we not having elite wave starts, at age group only events? Well, I was thinking, Bevan. Here we go. Here we go. Is um, this um, is this the um, rant of the week? Eh,
1: not really. Okay. No, it's just a suggestion of the okay. week. But I am getting a bit sick of all these rolling wave starts and and stuff, and you don't know where you're at. So at these races, I think it's good now that they have some races that are non-pro because otherwise it's just getting really, really diluted. But when you have these age group only races, why not have an elite wave where you can get, you know, the, the better athletes or anybody that wants to have a mass start go first and you're racing for the win. Okay. So then the, winner, the person who crosses the line first is going to be the winner rather than these Ironman. A bit, bit like when I raced in, in um, Kona 70.3. I mean, I was first to cross the finish line, but I could have finished in 10th place. But I got all the victory. I got to got to Lucky you were the, the winner. And, and <laughs> I know. Uh, so I was thinking at these non-pro racers, why not have an elite age group wave? That would motivate me to go to those races more so than another race which would have wave starts because I'd say, I'm not necessarily going to win it, but you know, I'll be, if I cross the line in 12th place, I know I'm 12th, and, and you do get that head-to-head component. Now, a lot of people might prefer the rolling start, which is fine, but I just think it would be a really um, no, good it, to it, it.
0: really does because, as you say, if for the people who are elite, A, they want to race the race. Mm. And B, if you win, if you win that elite field, or if you are the fastest person, and you, you, you kind of should get the glory, absolutely. You know what I mean? And I know it's not a pro race, and we're not saying you're a pro, and it's you know it's a lesser level, but you still won the race. Yeah. You know, so get the glory. Yeah. Because no, you'd break your heart if you came, you won the race, but you're twelfth across the line. Absolutely. Yeah. You I'm know, you're celebrating, and everyone thinks you're an idiot, mm. but you actually won the thing. Mm. <laughs> okay, coming up this weekend, we got I'm a, a power man is off and long distance with championships, John, tell first, me all about it. First
1: year was 1988, so it's been around for a long time. The guys normally win in around six and a half hours. The girls do around about seven hours. So distances over there in Zoffingen is 10K run, 150K bike, 30K run. But the kicker is it is a very tricky course. So in 150Ks you've got over 2,000 metres of elevation <sighs> gain on the bike. So a lot of climbing and there's a lot of climbing on the run as well. Now way back in the, the dark ages when uh, Molina and Aaron Baker and he so out, didn't he? <laughs> used to do it, That used to be massive prize money and a car. I think the year at Aaron won there was a car and really significant prize money. So much so that, you know, all the top athletes are over there, you know, Mark Allen, Scott, Aaron, Paul Newby Fraser, all those people are going over there. Uh, now it's got 50,000 prize money, winner takes home 6,200 US, drops down to 10th place, 500 US. So it's, yeah, it's not. It's, a, it's better than average prize money, but for for World Championships it's not. Do we know gigantic. the size of the field? Uh, I don't have the top of my head. It's not massive, but it's... Was the, it even it, massive? Was it back in like back big. in the day? Yeah, the, but, but even the age group field—it's the holy grail of duathlon. Yeah, it's like it's the Kona for duathlon. You want to go and test yourself, see if you're the real deal? You go and do this race. Yeah,
0: so it's it's a really cool race. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd do something like that. Mm. Kill you, huh? oh yeah, imagine it lasting. Care of that run, and I'm uh, pretty sure it's downhill.
1: The la you know. Uh, so I think I'm, I'm wondering if it's three laps I should have checked that out Three laps on the second run But it's the it's, it's run It's, it's going to be the downs That are going to kill you on
0: that run OK, John, a couple of races. We've got the Icon in Italy. Oh, this looks wicked. I've yeah. never
1: heard of this one before. I think this might only be the second year they've had it. Uh, and I've done a little bit of riding around this area. So that's a 3.8k swim. So this is very much a Norseman-type um, race at the Lago del Gallo. And then they bike 195 k's with 5,000 meters of elevation gain. Going into Switzerland, you go through St. Moritz, uh, St. Moritz, and then you also go over the Stelvio Park which is one of the very most famous uh, passes in Italy and it is epic. It's just got this, I don't know which side you come up from but the way we went up it on Epic Camp, you just got this wall of switchbacks and it's uh, a very, very cool climb. We did it, I think it was in, might have been June and you get to the top and there was... You know, metres of snow still there. Yeah, I think yeah, it, was, yeah. it was just over freezing when we got to the top. Wow, that's pretty cool. Uh, and so it's the second highest pass in Europe at 2,757 metres. So an epic bike ride. And then you do a 42k run with uh, a nice 8k downhill track to start your run. And then you have a 10k finish climbing up to 3,000 metres. Uh, so an 1,100 metre ascent. So it's called the Icon Xtry.com, if you want to go check that out. Um, beautiful part of the world, and uh, another one of those insanely crazy hard races
0: any other events you want to mention
1: uh we've got the austria tri pottersdorf the canadian 226 and the sado international triathlon done that one over in japan and then uh, the clone 226.
0: i gave john's eye to you up to it we had stockholm at the weekend and the kiwi boy did all right well, Ryan Sisson's, he's really
1: stepped up hasn't he he's he? crushing i mean he's a veteran athlete now uh you always ask me how old i'd be maybe you should check it out but i'm picking you know he's going to be 32 ish I reckon 88 it? no so it's 29 oh yeah so not, as, not quite as off but he's been around for a long long time and yeah, but uh, it's, this this is his best year isn't it oh head and shoulders so why well, he's just partly he's just got the belief he's got a different a different coach I'm not sure how long he's been working with Chris Pallone but yeah no, he's uh, this is our Kiwi slant on it but he's, he's running up there with uh, the best of the rest you know, yeah, um, yep. he's with Blumenfeld. So, the the racing was uh, was good to see again. You know, some different results. Brownlee took it out. They'd gotten a breakaway on the bike with uh, probably about six or seven guys. He was the only one that managed to stay away on the run, and the rest all got caught. It looked like a really really tricky swim. Uh, very choppy and surgy and uh, there was bigger gaps especially in the especially in the girls race so johnny Brownlee took it out he looked pretty pumped to be back on top Did he? Uh, very pumped and then it was a uh, sprint finish but sort of between second and not sprint sprint finish but you know it came down to the last sort of k between second and about fifth or sixth and uh, off the top of my head we had uh, blumenfeld yep. he managed to just squeeze in for Second in front of uh LeCour from France and then Ryan Sissons, our kiwi was just off the back. And yeah, Mario Mola for second race in a row really um did not fire fire on all cylinders on the run and uh he was yeah, down on the run. Who's jo- who's Jonas Schomburg? Because uh, he races
0: for the ITU, is he? What's the So idea? he'll be
1: changing his allegiance. I don't know what country he did race for. Oh, is when you're happens? under the ITU banner, it means you're serving out, not a penalty time, but a transfer time when you're between countries. Oh, so you okay. must have dual citizenship.
0: Okay. And the girl side of things, Laura Duffy
1: just keeps dominating. So boring. <laughs> she is just killing it. Wow, minute 30. Oh, they just, her and uh, she got on the bike with uh, the Pommy Girl. Um, Learmonth and they and there was another one one of the americans was there and she managed to crash somehow on the bike but they just killed it and just had this gigantic lead and uh good you on the second place Learmonth for for hanging there for second but flora duffy is just just unbeatable at the moment in terms of she just breaks away on just about any bike course whether it's flat or hilly the hilly certainly
0: help her but man she is just
1: killing it
0: wherever is gwen do you reckon i know she's pregnant Oh, yeah. oh, she won't be here this season. She'll be back next season. Next season yeah. just,
1: she, if she's back,
0: she'll be back next season. So that will keep it interesting, won't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so good on it. And then we had our yeah, um, Jessica Loonmouth and then Ashley Gentle in third place in that race there. So that, there was that race, and then we also have got coming up Super League number two, John, and it's looking pretty good.
1: It is. So a little way away yet, but it's uh, coming up the end of September. But I did see that they now have the majority of their fields announced, and I think that the rest of the reason I want. To bring it up today was um, really interesting. I don't know how you get selected onto this. <laughs> you know, it's kind of oh, okay. you know, and that's one thing that I think will be really interesting going forward is what if I'm you know tenth in the world and I want to be doing this. You know, how do you actually get in there? no, it doesn't seem to be any ranking system. It's kind of what they're trying to do is get a really wide variety of athletes from lots of different countries. Um, but and, and they do have all the top guys there. I'm sure they do invite all the top ten athletes, but. There's no ranking system. When we talk about the Collins Cup, um, you know they've got this ranking system that Torsten's come up. So there's no debate or anything mm, around it. Mm. So um, yeah, they've they've got the the guys listed and the girls uh, almost all listed, and it's a slightly different feel to last time. So you do have all the main athletes there. Obviously not uh, Alistair Brownlee because he's uh, on an injury break. Oh, yeah. and but one thing that that is quite different about the field this time is they've got rid of the the Ironman athletes that really just got their pants pulled down. Um, so Lorenzo, oh, so Brent McMahon, uh, who else was got absolutely smashed there? I can't remember, but those guys, the Iron Distance guys, it's just So the any Iron myth. Distance guys? Well, that's the one interesting pick. They've got Daniel Hawksworth, and you might maybe remember that name from the past. He won a few Ironman races, but he's from I think he's from either Man or the Guernsey or somewhere around okay. there. So they've got him in there. He's a good swimmer. He's, he's won Ironman races, and he's a good swimmer, so he should hopefully be able to hang in there. He hasn't raced for a while, I don't believe. Uh, so he could be the one that's going to be uh, hanging off the back. Uh, so, and he's
0: purely there just because he's local?
1: Yeah, which is kind of, you understand, yep. um, the rationale behind it. And Torinzo
0: is on the list. Is he? Yeah, number 13. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, Torinzo. He's twice on the list. Oh, no, he's only once on the list. from Brownlee. Although maybe this is the oldest because it's still got Alistair Brownlee on the list I'm looking at. Yes, I didn't
1: see Terenzo. If you click on that link which has got the... The try two four seven one. Okay, They had a little uh, YouTube clip and I don't recall seeing Terenza okay. on there. Okay. On the girls side of things, um, the one that, uh, a couple that are missing for me is Flora Duffy. She does. There's still a few names to be announced. Flora Duffy wasn't on there. Andrea Hewitt and I didn't see Ashley Gentle on there. So hopefully those ones do get named. Uh, outside of that, they have got uh, pretty much all the big hitters in terms of the the Poms. They certainly ha- have got some names that I'm not familiar with. They've got a couple of uh, Russian girls and because they've got a, a Russian backer that's understandable. They've also got a girl from uh, Bahrain there which uh, obviously the mecca influence. Um, but they, again, they've got all the big hitters so it's going to be great to see what the girls' race pans out to
0: be? Mm, good times. Okay, uh, prize money. We're looking at prize money of kind of what's happening in the pros. Now, this is prize money only from races, and we, we think it's all races. No, so the uh, Challenge Family released a prize money
1: list, and you were asking last yeah. uh, last week. Are the, are the ITU athletes making more? Are the long distance athletes making more <clears throat> and so they compile a list and I believe it's made up of the challenge races, ICU races, um, WTC races and I think uh, there's some, a couple of the other major money races like Embraer Man and things like that. It does What it doesn't include and, and this is where you've really got to factor it in for the short course athletes is they'll be making a significant amount of money from not having any costs because well, for a lot of them they'll be racing okay. with their federations and they'll also be getting paid a significant amount. So this of is this is money to spend, whereas it's an
0: Ironman yeah. athlete, they've got to take some of this money to live mm, or but to, but to, to accommodate racing.
1: But I would say that on, I would imagine the second tier Ironman athletes, this is just a guess, but I'd imagine they'd probably be making more money from endorsements than the second tier ITU athletes okay. um, from sponsors because they probably do it, work a bit more with their sponsors, whereas your second tier. ITU athletes are probably still relying on that uh, sort of National Federation handouts. So um, yeah, there is a bit of a mixture in here in terms of uh, short and long course athletes. So we have Richard Murray on top with uh, 116,000, Mario Mola third, 100, uh, second 113,000, Gomez 79, Lionel Sanders 70, Tim Don 57, Keenlay, 56, Amberger 48, Brownlee, 41, Matt Hanson, 40, and Sam Appleton, 36. Now this will massively change after Kona because it's such a big prize check there and also after 70.3 Worlds. But at this stage of the game, you do see the short course guys and the ones doing well at sort of half Ironmans and Ironmans uh, seem to be doing pretty pretty well there. And then the girls? Girls side. Of the, and, and the other thing I'd say is it also doesn't include the short course athletes probably get paid quite a bit to be racing in their European teams in France and in Germany. So Okay. Yep. Girls start things Flora Duffy, eighty four thousand, Daniella Reef seventy, Sarah Crowley sixty eight. She will add it to that in the weekend. Holly Lawrence sixty five. Lucy Charles sixty, Annabelle 49000 forty nine, Ashley 48000 forty eight. Andrea forty eight, Katie 47000 forty seven and Susie Cheatham forty five.
0: dollars mm, interesting stuff, isn't it? It's not huge money, but is it? It's not. No, you know, when you think about did you watch Mayweather?
1: No, I'm not interested in that at
0: all. No, I, I was a little bit interested. I didn't watch it because I was working, but I I was interested in it. Um, they made a lot more money. <laughs> they made a lot more money. A lot more money. Um, anything else on that one, John? No, no nope. sponsor. Athlinks.com. Yes. Cordellane disappearing, John.
1: Good point. Actually, we didn't mention that before. The Iron Man Lane that was on yes the last weekend. time. Last yeah. time that it's been on. Sad. So it is a bit sad. And
0: sad if you if you've. The website disappears, John, and good you point. want to find your result 10 years from now, and where do you go to?
1: Athlinks.com. Ah, oh,
0: genius. That's a good segue. Actually, I had, <laughs> I had somebody email me yesterday,
1: and they gave, gave me their bucket list of races, and oh they, nice. put, they had Cord Lane on there. I was like, oh, yeah, doing that <laughs> <one>. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of missed out on that. Man. Now, the reason I wanted to bring that up, Bevan had a very, very good point there as well, is if you have done these races that are disappearing, chances are they're probably not going to be on the Ironman site for forever, um, because... Yeah, they'll just phase them out, especially when they do a website update. So keep it all in one place on Ethlinks.com. Uh, but the second point was, I was looking at those results and thinking, the guy that won went nine twenty nine. Not taking anything away from that guy. He we are pay- really
0: diminishing anyone who's done well last weekend, <laughs> we? aren't we? <laughs> those who won their age group at the, the well, Long
1: Horse Champs. Let's diminish it even further and take go. it away from the people that raced the year before as well. But no, the main reason was, you know, you see winners of these races in Europe, and they're going, you know, I think it. Um, Copenhagen last weekend, like the fastest age group it was eight thirty or eight thirty five. No way. And Ooh. it was similar in rote and so it's different courses obviously. But I looked back on Athlinks dot com at IMANCOUD last year, same sort of winning time. It's an age group only race at nine twenty nine. And so what I thought, well well, how do these guys go? If they're going nine twenty eight twenty nine here, where do they how do they go elsewhere? And what I went on to Athlinks, look at those results. Now, if people have got a little picture next to their name, then They've got an Athlinks profile and you can see all their results. If they haven't, then um, you can still go on and look at people's unclaimed results on Athlinks. So you just type their name up the top. So you name someone who you think local person might not be on Athleanx. Um Like a Brett Tingay? Brett Tingay. Okay, there we go. Plug it in and you, if they've got a profile, you, or you, you, don't, you don't have to know if they have a profile or not, but you can be searching by events, profiles or unclaimed results. So I'll put Brett Tingay's name under... Unclaimed results, and it gives me his all his list of unclaimed results. Now, if you've got a really common name like whatever John Smith, then it's probably going to be pretty hard to find it. Yep. So what I did is had a look at Ironman uh, Cord Lane, plugged in a couple of those names, and you can see elsewhere their, what their times have been for Ironman, and kind of saw that from you know four or five examples, and I know that's the most not the most exhaustive search, search that results from Ironman Cord Lane, roughly. Correlated with uh, I Man Hawaii. Oh, okay. So a 930 in I Hawaii is probably not going to place you that high in the no, age group overall. No. So, what it kind of says to me is the, the standard at some of these European races is probably a bit higher than some of these age group only races uh, in North America. But that being said, well done if you kicked ass in a Lane. Yeah, good times. Because. Uh, Winners are Grinners. And the only race who's in front of you.
0: Winners but are Grinners. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, so Athleanx.com, it's a really good resource to keep all your results here. But again, races do disappear. And 20, 30 years from now, who knows where those results are going to be. But Athlinks? going to be there for you. So check it out, athelinks.com. John, this week's discussion. So last week we were talking about 70.3 World Champs. They're coming up, I think, on this 8th and 9th of September. So in a week or so from now. And we just kind of thought, who are you guys picking to take out both the men's and the females race? And good old Robert Beeline came on and he said, Ladies, Reef, because at Kona there will be no competition for her. At 70.3, she'll be first to see competition since a long time in the form of Holly, Angry Bird. Will be ready to rock and roll and reef means reef. She spelled it he spelled it the wrong way. Ethan.
1: Uh Richard Swan, I'm going to for a bolter. Number forty three, Ivan Kalizhnevov from the Russian Federation. Is he from Russia? He's bound to be boosed <laughs> up and without a doubt the best surname, Allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> best surname in world sport. Imagine how intimidating it would be to hear that name. Kalashinov, it's a type of a gun or something, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, in Chasing You Down, he is the AK-47 of triathlon.
0: That's a good times. So Robert Bailey actually came back with his men as well and he said, Keenley, anyone saw him at the Championship of Challenge? Even though he won't taper for it, he will win. By the way, is it me or have I missed Tim Reed in all the results this year?
1: Uh, no, I think he won. He, well, there was one he result. Won in the
0: Philippines. Uh,
1: I'm not sure what else he's been doing. Yeah, his name... Hasn't been popping up as much. But uh, Pam Morris for the men, Gomez, because he should have the edge on the run. The woman could be very close, but I think Holly Lawrence should repeat. She should have better leg speed than
0: Reef. Brody Edge has got Tim Reed and Holly Lawrence. Both have the best, most recent results in the 70.3 World Champs. And then uh, Georgia Ray's got Tom. Does that, oh, she must have changed it after the fact.
1: Uh, Michael Good, Tim O'Donnell. No, not that one. The one from Bahrain Triathlon Club.
0: No, oh, back it up. Those are two. a bit of a local one. Good old Matthew Wolverine Jackman's got uh, Tim Reed, current champ, wears a moustache and the Budgie Smugglers, and also Reef didn't get uh, like getting beaten last year. Uh, Andy Ashton, the woman, Holly Lawrence, Daniela
1: Reef, and Emma Pallant on the men, Keenley Gomez, and Tim, Bunn, uh, t- Tim Don. NB, Jensen Button to win his age
0: group. That would be quite interesting. He'd be pretty quick right now. He is pretty quick. Yeah. Good old Kieran Ballard Tremor has got Maria Fernanda Elling, uh, who looks like an age grouper. Right. But. I think she's gonna take it out, I'm making, I'm making her as well. <laughs>
1: so we'll have a quick look at the girls uh, this week and the guys next week and also discuss the, the course cause they have come up with a really good course over there. So last year as you may recall we had Tim Timree, oh the girls side of things, we had Holly Lawrence just crushing it on the girls side of things. Uh, she set it up by biking several minutes quicker than everybody and then uh, ran a very impressive run as well. Mel Halschleit was in second place so uh, two minutes back, and Heather Wirtle was in third place. Heather Wirtle likes getting third place. Uh, then this year. Do you think she likes it? No, she doesn't she's good like at it. it. She's <laughs> good at getting it. Yeah. She's good at getting third place. Based on Torsten's rankings, it should be an extremely close race and there should only be six seconds in it. it would be exciting. So Holly Lawrence is predicted to come in in 4.14. Obviously that's a totally different course so this is just based off historical numbers. Uh, and Daniela Reef 4.14.33, Mel Halsteit predicted to come third, Heather Warhol fourth and Halle Fredrickson in fifth place. So some of those names in there did race last weekend so over a two week gap between the ITU world and the 70.3 championships, so you had Halscheit, uh, Wertel, and Fredrickson racing at the weekend. Um, look, I think it's going to be an amazing race for first because uh, Holly Lawrence and Daniela Reef are comparable levels but they both had some injury issues, so whether they're at 100% and whether or not the other girls can beat them. But between those two, if they're both firing on all cylinders, it could be a sensational race because they'll probably come out of the swim pretty close yep. and they're both just axes on the bike and um, and just have to see. On the run, I'd say they're pretty comparable as well. So it could be a great race as per Torsten's predictions. Well, and
0: on, on the what I was talking about earlier with um, Daniela, talking about how has her back got better and is it going to affect mm. her Kona? This is probably our opportunity to see where she is at with her fitness because she's got someone who's going to push her, mm. you know, as long as Holly's on, on good form as well. So she's got someone who's going to push her. She's got, you know, so it is going to, f- if Holly's in a good place, Daniela's going to have to be at her best to win the thing. So if we do see a chink in the armour, that's going to, it's good kind of perspective for what's going to happen with Kona as well. And the cool
1: thing for me is I look at the top 20 names on this list. And I'd say all 20 of them, I would not be surprised if they got in the top yeah, four great or field. so in, yeah. in, the, in the race because, you know, you've got seeded number 11, Laura Phillips. She's had, uh, I think she won at the weekend at a 70.3. As Ellie Salthouse, she's had some a great Jackson. results. Um, Emma Pallant is down in 15th C. Any of those girls, if they finished in third, or fourth, or fifth, wouldn't be surprised. So uh Sarah Crowley, I mean again she raced at the last weekend, so might not be on her absolute A game, but yeah, very high quality field in terms of uh the top end and also the depth is uh, is impressive. So good stuff.
0: Yeah, and, and when it first came around the point three champs, we were like, hmm it's cool to win it, but mm. is it real like a real championship yet? We've got to say it is now, can't we? I think so, and, and I think part of that is
1: uh, a they've they have pumped up the money a bit more. It's got really good points, so that is a motivator for for getting people to Kona and good timing. Good and good timing for for worlds, you know, for, for 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 Kona, you know, it's a good time to be banging out a good hard um, half Ironman, and also the course course selections that they're doing now are such that you're going to get a fair enough race, you know. There's a really decent hill in there this time around and yeah, you might still get some packs coming together on the the bike, especially on the guy side of things, but it's enough. That it's as fair as you can make it without going yeah. stupid and having a just a you know hills all the way through. So, well, the, mm. this
0: is the thing. I always think what makes what races in an Ironman year make me want to watch the race. Mm. Now, I always want to watch Kona. Mm-hmm. I, I want to watch Super League for some mm. reason. Super League seems to work for that. Yeah. Seven point three I've never really cared to watch. Mm. You know, but after last year's race, which was mm. phenomenal. Yeah. With Reed and Sebastian Kenley You know like This year with this field I'm kind of Oh you know what I might actually make an effort To watch this race And that's kind of showing The appeal of the race now
1: Good thing for you as well Mainly on the guys side of things It's on a Sunday over there It's going to be on a Monday morning Get ah. up from work Have your iPad just sitting there While you're working away nice. And it's a good time A girls race unfortunately Is on Saturday So that will take up Your Sunday morning
0: Sleeper morning I can see it on the background there you go. Yeah, there you go. So we'll look. We'll talk about the boys next week on the show. Okay, John. Uh, this week's discussion is now that we have a lot of experience with rolling starts. Do you like it, or what sort of start would you prefer? Tell us if you are front of the pack, middle of the pack, or back of the pack from where you start from.
1: Yeah, it's just I mean I've experienced my first rolling start, and I think a lot of people you liked it, but yeah, but if I was. Way back and starting in a hundred and fiftieth place or three hundredth place, I probably wouldn't have liked it as much okay. uh, so i 'm just really keen to hear what your experiences have been like, and whether you like it or not, or whether you prefer other starts and I think yeah and I do want to reiterate we want to hear what sort of part of the field you 're from are you front of the packer, middle of the pack, or back of the packer, because I want to know if your front of the packers actually like it i mean from my experience so far. If you're middle to back of the packet, most people seem to like it. What about you front of the packets?
0: Well, I know I like your idea you came up earlier on the show with the idea of having an elite wave yeah. edge group start for those who are looking to kind of compete a bit more seriously. stats it's, it's fantastic. fantastic. Austria has one. Tell me about this, John. Oh, I put Austria. I should have put Australia. Australia. Uh, so I had a quick
1: look at the World Triathlon Series medal hotelies. Oh, here we
0: go. So what's the best country? Australia.
1: Australia have crushed it on the girls'
0: side well, of things. They fitness. can't play rugby. No. <laughs> so,
1: so there's been 28 years of world championships. Now, over the last number of years, that has been a series prize.
0: So you're just talking middles, not champions.
1: I'm talking champions. So now oh, okay. you are called the world champion if you win the series. Up until... God, oh, what year was the last year we had Everyone the world was still racing, wasn't he? I don't don't actually know the answer to that, Um, but I'm going to say ballpark early 2000s was the last time we actually had a a world championship race, but I could be completely wrong there. But anyway, of all the years we've had, 28 years, Australia have won a medal on average every year, so they've got 28 female medals. Female Oh. Yeah, so there's been 28 is years. This just the females you're talking yeah. about here? so there's been 28 gold medals, 28 bronze medals, 28 oh, okay. so it silver not, medals. Not okay, yep. So they've won one third of all the medals wow, in Wow, that's total. impressive, isn't it? I actually thought it might have been a little bit more than that. Uh, so who,
0: who's been the dominant? So Snow Soul? Snoswell had it
1: for a few years. Um, then you had McKaylee Jones, who's won it plenty of times. Um, you also got to think about the bronze and silver medalists as well. You had Erin Densham, not Erin Densham, Emma, Mo- Emma Moffat. She won it a couple of years, Who's the best
0: Australian female athlete of all time? A Fem-
1: uh, triathlete? Yeah. Uh, I'd have to go McKaylee Jones because she's won over all distances.
0: But Snoswell had a better career, a longer career. Who?
1: Snoswell. No, no. Oh, really? She was ex- incredibly dominant. But only over Olympic distance. Yeah, but it? for longer. Uh no, no, no okay No. Jones definitely had the longest career and across all distances. Totally different era. Yeah. But in terms of who's the most dominant, you know, you gotta yeah, Snowsaw is you'd be putting a lot of money on her to win every race that she uh, she rocked up to. So yeah, Aussie Girl's taking out twenty-eight medals and I thought they would be actually a bit further in front of the Americans. The Americans are actually second mm. with twenty-three medals. And then there is a huge gap back to New Zealand and Canada with seven each. And UK have only got six, which was quite surprising, But considering how, how they've really been the dominant force in the last few years.
0: Well, um, and I'm sure the next week we're doing the men. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, we are. <laughs> we are now. <laughs> because it's really, uh, really interesting to look at the men, because in the UK have definitely got more than six than the Let's men. Speculate on the men. So who, okay, Yeah, go, the okay. UK are going to crush that. Yeah. Well, let's do it now. We're, we're, we're on it, so I'll pull up the website. You wait. You don't look. Okay. Okay, so then I'm going to go... Oh, so do I have to count them, do I? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. You think
1: before you speak, uh. Bevan. Think before you speak. But UK will be crushing it because you've had the... Both Brownleys will have got multiple medals over the last years. You'll have Spencer Smith and Simon Lessing... Taking about another bloody six, six or seven medals there, uh, if not more than that, because they both had a couple of seconds and thirds. So UK are going to be uh, streets ahead. America it'll be pr- probably be pretty similar actually. You have USA and uh, America, no, UK in, in top position. Canada and then Australia and. America will be in second because they will have h- had quite a few medals in the early years and then Spain will have picked up quite a few medals in the more recent years as well. So those will be your dominating countries.
0: Well, well I've only, got, I only managed to count the UK in that time, mm-hmm. but they're at 19. Mm. Yeah, they're, they're pretty dominant. And as you say, Spanish have really come through Like Spanish, they've... Ivan Reiner. Yeah, yeah. He was, the, he was the first Spanish to actually even get a medal. Mm-hmm. But then since then, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven... 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, maybe Enough, 17, yeah. 17, for the mm-hmm. Spanish. So yeah, it's definitely a bit more mixed. And then uh, Australia early on, although Australia hasn't really been, Brad Carterfeld got third in 2010. So Australia earlier on were a bit more dominant. The one thing you don't see a lot of is the Americans.
1: Apart from the early years, maybe. Well,
0: no, not even so much in the early years. You yeah. had Mark Allen took out 89, mm. Mike Pick got third in 91. Mm. And then after that? That's that, is that yeah, we, uh, um, yeah, that yeah. would be pretty much for So America's only had two. New Zealand's had more than that. New yeah, Zealand. we will have had
1: Bevan Doherty um, taking, getting several medals. Uh, Rick Wells. Rick Wells. Hamish Carter will have got one. Craig Watson will have got one. Uh, so, yeah, quite a few.
0: Jeez, America's only had two medals.
1: That is shocking.
0: That is amazing, isn't it? Especially when we go to the girls in mm. a second place by quite a big margin. Pull up your socks, America. Yeah, man, that, that, that's really amazing, isn't it? Mm. It really is. Okay, well, that's a, that was a pretty good set. Okay, we've got an interview coming up, John. We've got Charles from the ex- Chief Executive Officer from the Professional Triathletes, Triathletes Organisation, and they're going to be putting on the Collins Cup, so we'll get him on right now. Okay, guys, um, you will
1: have heard when we were doing our coverage from Challenge Rote back in July, um, we went along to the press release or the the, um, press conference around the Collins Cup, and uh, you will have heard in the background one of the the main guys talking there, Charles Adamo, who is the Chief Executive Officer of the Professional Triathletes Organization, which is the driving force behind the Collins Cup. Um, So welcome along to the show, Charles.
2: Uh, Great, John. Pleasure to, to be here. Thank you so much.
1: Uh, how did you sort of come about becoming involved with the professional triathletes, triathletes organization? Because we know that um, I think Richard Allen was involved at one stage and it was kind of, you know, the, the formation was taking a little bit of time. So how, how did you sort of get involved in the whole gig?
2: Yeah, I think I think Rich and, and a bunch of the athletes uh, did a great job when they got together, I guess, in Bahrain or wherever uh, and informed uh, and what was that time that professional Athletes union uh, and prior to that i have been chatting with rachel joyce marinda carfrey tim o'donnell just generally about how it seemed that there was an opportunity for, for the professionals to kind of get their own destiny in their own hands mm. and then when the ptu formed I started to chat with Rich and, and 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 Rachel and some of the others, and I think my general advice was to kind of steer away from being uh, an advocacy group, which is I think how it started in its thought process mm-hmm. uh, was that it was just going to advocate on behalf of professionals uh, on how things may be able to operate better within this space. Uh, you know, they are all very keen and eager, and it was fantastic. So I just chatted with a few, and I just said, I'm not too sure that would be the most beneficial way to go forward because anytime you're an advocacy group, you just turn into a grievance committee too quickly. Mm -hmm. And and the goal here, obviously, given the demographics of this sport, is for the professionals to attract uh, for their own benefit, the high end non-ademic sponsors that are are really available out there and really haven't been uh, captured properly. And you don't do that if you are an organization that basically just complains about what's wrong with the sport. Mm. So at that point we started to steer into a different direction where, uh, so we changed the name because the the union name, while it works for the ITU and some of the other organizations, it it has had a, probably not the most positive connotation uh, from a labor perspective. So we changed it to what is a typical professional organization like the PGA of America or the ATP for tennis. Uh, So that's how we became the PTO. And then the object was, well, we just need to have an event to put on display the professionals that the professionals own for themselves, instead of having operators uh, basically be the conduit through which professionals earn a living, Uh, Other sports similar to this sport, like both golf and tennis, evolved from that format where others were the organizers or the governing bodies were the people running events until uh, they matured to the point where both tennis and golf is the professionals that run the events themselves.
1: Hmm. What about your personal background, you know, in terms of, are you a triathlete, or, or, or what's your sort of business background to, to make you, you know, qualified
2: to lead this organization forward? <laughs> well, I'm not too sure I have any qualifications, but uh, <laughs> I, I've i got a fair amount of business qualifications, but I do this sport very regularly and very poorly. <laughs> uh, but I did get to know some of the professionals here in the UK, and that's when I started to discover that despite the fact that there seems to be some fairly serious economics out there for some of the organizers at least uh, not much of it seems to get down to the professor So I was a little shocked about how the compensation of professionals really was working and I said that this there seems to be something wrong here and to the extent that I have a business background I was a banker I was a lawyer I was a businessman I've now, kind of own my own time, I thought to myself, "Well, this is a good place to potentially invest some time because I, I think there's a bit of a disparity or an injustice going on that maybe I can help." Mm-hmm. And, and and that's how I that's how I got involved. So it's been ooh, a year and a half now. So we've been working on this.
1: Cool. So obviously, the Collins Cap is is the big driver for you guys. So. Yeah is you know and you mentioned this when we we're over in rote is is yep. it the organization sort of trying to find a race organizer to put the Collins Cup on so if, for example in rote you're going to be piggybacking on the back of um, of challenge rote so are you guys sort of trying to find an organization and sort of giving them the opportunity to run the event or is the organization actually th- th- a, you know becoming a, a race
2: organization group so small steps. I mean, I think uh, the, the, the start with the Collins Cup uh, is huge for us in that it uh, is an event that we styled after, an event that is obviously well-recognized with the Ryder Cup, uh, nothing original, uh, but it is an event that is well-recognized within a sporting community. It's a traumatic drama that works, Uh, in that it puts against each other different continents or countries, USA, Europe. Uh, So you have these rivalries that uh, really boil people's blood uh, in a fan base. So we have actually retained the Wasserman Group, which is the fourth largest sports agency in the world. Uh, And they're in charge basically of uh, putting together the – TV packages and the sponsorships. Uh, We ultimately have all the decision-making process, but, uh, you know, they are the people who uh, put the resources in. And it's, I think, a tribute to the sport itself that someone the size of Wasserman uh, is willing to get involved because prior to our coming on the stage, you don't really see too many of the large agencies involved in the sport. Uh, And then the question was, where we were going to hell, hold the first one, and, and as I mentioned at the press conference, the original thinking all along was it would be in the United States. Wasserman's main office is there, and the, obviously the largest TV market. But then we started talking to Chrissy Wellington and Norman Stadler after we got appointed them captains. Uh, and they uh, convinced us that we should look at Europe. And then we looked at Roth, or Roth and Clearly, it it has exactly what for the first one we would want to uh, make sure we had, which is a huge spectator uh, component to it, Mm. because that is what what really can make an event from a TV perspective. And it's interesting because you look at the economics of of most sports, it's 90 percent TV revenue, Uh, sports like the uh, Premier League football, uh, if it just lived off of stadium revenue would just be a fraction of what it's worth that the TV mm. contracts are where all the value is but at the same time if they played a game in, in webley stadium in front with no one there and put it on television it would just be bizarre mm. so so we wanted to make sure we had a big crowd and and, and clearly uh rod delivers that and and felix and Zibi, uh, big supporters of the sport. You know, we have the same DNA. They just thought this would be great to bring it there. And, and so we went there and visited. Uh, it was a no brainer for us to get together to, to have it there.
1: So you know we're six or seven weeks on from um, from from Rote and I know that yep. they they have a bit of a break over there. That's their time when they have some so, sort of a bit of a holiday um, after yep. the race is done and dusted. But it has much progress been made since then? You know, given at that stage, you know the Collins Cup concept and. The format has been for around for a little while, but in terms of actually choosing the venue and where it's actually going to be held, it was kind of pulled together quite quickly, as you stated, when we were over there. So how has the progress been over the last six or seven weeks?
2: So it's been, it's been good. Obviously, we were, as you say, uh, Germany, August is very quiet, uh, but the Wasserman is, we were waiting to actually choose select the venue before they started going hard (coughs) on TV broadcast and sponsorship discussions. So they had pre-marketed the concept to about 30 or 40 sponsors. uh, And once the uh, location was finalized is when they were going to be starting the hard discussions. And that's going on now. Mm -hmm. We don't have anything to report yet. We hope we will when it's timely. But we're in active discussions on both the podcast front uh, as well as the sponsorship front. Because the whole object, again, is until you make the sport something that uh, can capture a a TV audience really, really hard to be much more than a hobby. I mean, if the sports is living off of entry fees, it's just going to be a small sport forever. Mm you know it has to evolve to the point where it has a compelling tv element and we think the first step is one that has been proven in the Ryder cup format when you and for us and the collins cup when you have 12 individual race matches with three uh, athletes one from the usa one from europe one from the internationals i mean that's just fantastic i mean it's very similar to having Mayweather and Colin uh, McGregor twelve times <laughs> mm, mm,
1: exactly. So uh, the TV coverage that it, is that going to be a massive hurdle to overcome in terms of actually getting a network to cover it. So what we saw with um, you know the Super League uh, triathlon that they did a fantastic job in terms of broadcasting that worldwide. Is that similar to what you would hope to achieve, or, or are you looking to go even way bigger than that?
2: Well, I think the op- there's an opportunity to go way bigger than it, just because again, you're tying it to a format that is well known in the in the sport networking world. I, I enjoyed watching the Super League, but it was a little bit of a, it's hard to understand what's going on mm. because they're doing so many different things. It's it's almost like an obstacle course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're to- you're trying to relearn a sport while you're watching and obviously people who are very interested in triathlon have no trouble doing it but if you're just a sports fan i'm not too sure you're capturing what's going on Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where uh this is why the Ryder cup is so successful and popular because it actually attracts people who don't even normally watch golf Mm -hmm. Uh, because they're attracted to the competitive element of being a european or an american and it's easy to figure out the person with the lowest score wins it's not hard and same thing with ours is that you have that same nationalistic competition and on top of it, it's very simple. You have three people in the water, they start swimming and the first guy across the line wins. Yeah, That's very simple. So it, it, you can make the transition to a larger sports audience, I think, much easier than you can with the Super League, which at this point will be very attractive to people who are very into the sport uh, and i think they have a bit of a hurdle to get over to try to get just sports fans uh interested in it but you know we wish it well because we you know we're not for profit entity we our whole dna is to support professional triathletes so we're in favor of every single person who wants to go out there and put on events and and have prize money mm. we're you know super fans of it all fantastic
1: so yeah. in in terms of um you know this event being successful obviously a Big part of it hinges on the TV coverage. Yep. But secondly, the second part is making sure that you get the best athletes in the world and you've done an amazing job in terms of getting some of the biggest names in the sport with with Chrissy, Miranda Carfrey, Norman Stadley, you know, some of the real legends of the of the sport. But in terms of attracting the the current generation of top athletes, you know, Daniela Reef, Jan Fredino, Sebastian Keenley, Lionel Sanders, those ones that are in their peak right now, what's the key for making that happen for you guys? And how much interest has there been from the current generation of, of top athletes?
2: Yeah, so obviously, from the PTO's standpoint, the people who are already involved are fantastic. You know, we have people, all the captains uh, have. Or bought into the concept uh, almost immediately and as i mentioned in the press conference i mean dave scott is that he's been waiting you know 30 years for something like this to happen uh so uh, having all the legends there is is a huge support and that, that's what also makes the event so unique uh is that they're there and they're actually participating as captains you know they're going to be mike they're going to be urging on their athletes uh and then the athletes who are already part of the PTO, Rachel and Miranda and Tim O'Donnell and, and people like that, they're clearly on board because they understand it all. We have been waiting uh, until we're more firm with what our economics are to start to uh, chat to people because mm-hmm. uh, everyone is so busy and everyone has to you know, figure out exactly you know, what's working best for them. Given Wasserman's involvement and the kind of TV thing that will probably will will, will hit uh, the economics uh, will hopefully be done by November, December, uh, and they'll be compelling. Mm. I mean, there, there won't be anyone who won't be doing it. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then also the other thing, though, they always keep in mind that whenever we have conversations, we've had conversations with uh, some people. Uh, along the lines, keeping them in the loop. Can't talk to all of them because they're all over the world, uh, but once we get more finalized with the numbers, we obviously will. Uh, and we have our world rankings, which kind of uh, rank everybody. But the most important thing that we, when we have our discussions, is that this is all theirs. This organization is owned and operated on behalf of professionals. Right, there's no shareholders to feed. There's no people, you know, taking money out in in leakage to all different uh, organizations. It's all theirs. Mm. So this is their first opportunity to just say this we this is ours. So, so if someone decides they don't want to be involved in it, uh, as I mentioned the press conference, they're probably going to stick out mm. uh, like a sore thumb and says, "Well, why isn't somebody not here?" But everyone will make their own decision. We're not. That's one thing that we started uh, steering it in a slightly different direction. Is there's no mandatory obligation to do anything. This is all people. uh, You know, we'll make it economically compelling for them to want to, as well as you know the joy of being able to have your own thing. Uh, But uh, we're we're not trying to coerce people through various different reasons to participate. But but your objective is is
1: essentially making it a no brainer for the athletes financially. That it's like it's just a, a no brainer. Is that sort of the objective? that The numbers are going to be that great that they, you know, it would really be hard for them to turn down.
2: It, exactly, and and it will be too because we'll also, given that we're working with Washman, we'll have some really uh, seriously uh, large non academic sponsors. Who, while they'll sponsor an event, will always be looking to enhance that sponsorship on an ongoing basis by sponsoring athletes mm. as well as captains. So uh, there's just a, and also from a, from a TV perspective, particularly the long distance guys, they don't really get much exposure. So now you're talking six, seven, eight hours of a broadcast that's all about them. Mm. You know, even the Kona broadcast is, is, first of all, it's not a live broadcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, you know, the TV uh, element. Uh, and so it's it's three weeks after the event. So it's not even really a sporting event because people know who won already. Mm-hmm. And, and on top of that, the broadcast is 80% about age groupers, mm-hmm. which is great. It's a great broadcast. I watch it every year. It's very exciting. It's, it's very inspiring. And it makes you want to go do Ironman races, which is what the purpose of it. But it doesn't put the professionals uh, as on display as we're going to have the opportunity to do because we'll have six, eight hours of broadcast, so we'll have background stories on every single one of those athletes mm. as part of the broadcast and every single one of those captains. Uh, so you'll know about them, which right now the fans don't know that much about a lot of the athletes. You have to go dig pretty hard to find out a lot of the background stories. Mm.
1: So you sort of briefly mentioned the timeline there. You're sort of looking, you know, to the latter part of this year to hopefully have as much detail um, confirmed to go and start talking to the athletes. So what is your sort yeah. of timeline? You know, things are going to the months are going to start clicking away pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, in, uh, July first, I think it is next year.
2: So what's your sort of timeline? Well, the great thing. Well, we'd like to have pretty much by the end of the year, beginning of the new year, when I mean, the season really starts to percolate again. Uh, from the athlete's perspective, everything finished, meaning that this is the economics. These are the broadcasts. These are the sponsors, uh, and uh, it won't be a hundred percent set who's going to qualify yet because mm. we have our own PTO world rankings, which uh, yeah, maybe you've seen. Torsten, we love uh, Torsten. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they're on, we, we tweet out the new. We just tweeted out the new rankings. They come out every Wednesday. Yeah. And uh, so uh, we we you don't know exactly who's going to qualify, but, you know, the top eight from each country will be contacting at that point, just saying, you know, you're you're uh, on the cusp of either going to qualify or on the cusp of qualifying. So we hope all that to have by the end of the year. The race itself, then, is just the great thing about Rawls is that it's all done. You don't have to do anything. You know, you don't have to get permits, you don't have to, uh, you just need to fit into the schedule. So mm. that's fantastic. So that makes it a million, million times easier.
1: So obviously we've got, you know, the triathlete uh, audience listening to us right now, you know, wh- what can they do to help and assist to make sure that this is good? Because I think we all, all of us want to see this being massively successful. So what do you want, sort of want from the triathlon uh, audience?
2: Well I'm not too sure we really want anything we're we're here actually to serve them and and it, we think we've captured a way to really engage the worldwide audience because having the three different teams USA Europe and internationals you really have a reason to want to watch what's going on right mm. uh, where outside of I gather Kona every race is, there's so much fragmentation in the in the sport in the in the right now that every weekend there's two or three races that are claiming to be some kind of championship but mm. there's one or three athletes one or two athletes there it's it's hard to really get excited about following it so uh, we just hope that uh, they'll be excited about what we're delivering I'm not too sure there's much for them to do but mm. uh, sit back and enjoy it really and, and, and follow it as we go along.
1: Awesome. I oh, know, we look forward to, to seeing how things progress and we're certainly looking forward to the events. So, guys, uh, check out the Professional Triathletes Organisation and uh, and also the Collins Cup and uh, sign up to the Twitter feeds, Facebook feeds and uh, keep abreast of what's happening. So, Charles, thanks very much for your time and we'll be uh, having a chat to the, the athletes that are in the running over the coming months and uh, look forward to hearing some more towards the end of the
2: year. Great, John, my pleasure. Have a great day, yep. Yeah?
0: Are you confident? Are you, are you slightly confident or are you doubtful?
1: Uh, I'm more confident than less confident. <laughs> so okay. I mean, yeah. It's just, it all comes down to the TV and getting those big bucks. Because the way that Charles is talking there is it's going to be a no-brainer for the top athletes in terms of getting Keenley, Frodo, Sanders and all those guys. It's, it's going to have to be a big money item for those guys to be there. And uh, if they get the big TV coverage should be able to make it happen but yeah i would not say i'm putting i would not be betting my house on it but i love the concept of it i think it it could be really really cool massive for our
0: sport Mm.
1: massive so hopefully we'll be able to report really positive and massive for the pros and and we
0: we talked about this earlier but this whole idea of if they can bring the kind of let's say it works let's say in five years from now this has really taken off Well pros are making Massive money Off Collins Cup mm. That brings the game up For everyone else Doesn't it Absolutely You know So now suddenly WTC or Wanda Whatever they are now Suddenly they have to Really think about prize money If they want to get pros To races And mm. in the last 15-20 years The age group has been the, the market really Pros have lost their value To the sport And so When they don't need The money so much I mean, The, the races want them They're going to To front up a bit more money So it's great oh, yeah. Okay John Coaches Corner,
1: <laughs> Nice Okay What's happening here Uh So I had a question in From Brian Hagen uh, I have a question for you How Brian con- Hagen He was my roommate He was Yeah, yeah. Uh, how close to an Ironman would you do an FTP test? Oh, that's a good question. And I'm going to be doing one today and I'm eight and a half weeks out from my race. Nine weeks. Lugal. Don't do it before nine weeks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so by doing an FTP test, I'm assuming Brian's mean meaning doing a, like 20, a 20, minute. 20 minute time trial as opposed to a one hour time trial. So look, I think the main thing is you've got to figure out what your objective is you're trying to achieve from doing an FTP test. Uh, I think it's a really good idea to actually be doing them fairly close to a race, you know, sort of three to four weeks out, but more as a mental conditioning session, uh, especially if you haven't got any racing. If you've got some racing in there, I probably wouldn't bother, but if you haven't got any racing, say you're coming from New Zealand or or you're you're going to Kona, um, then doing a session where you're really beating yourself up, both either on the bike or on the run. Um, We talked about doing some running races I think last week or the week before, but doing a session where you're really pushing yourself mentally to the limit, sort of around about three weeks out I think is a good idea. If you're using it to help set your zones for Ironman racing, then I think around about the timing that you're doing, Brian, sort of between nine to ten weeks out is, is a good time to be doing it. Uh, and But the main thing to do is you do the time trial, you do your FTP test and you use that as just a, a Baseline for setting your race zones. Then you need to go out and do all your field testing, and hopefully, you've got a half Ironman maybe in there or some sort of other race, and then you start to hone your zones based off those results. So, your 20 minute time trial should only be the starting point of setting your zones. I would strongly discourage anybody from setting their Ironman zones purely off a 20 minute test. Uh, it's not indicative of uh, what you're actually So, what, what should they out. do? So, they do that. And then you might say, based off this 20 minute time trial, my power for going out and doing an Ironman ride should be, you know, say so 200, 200 watts, for example. Yeah, yep. Then you actually go out there and, and do some test sessions out there. Um, so I think a really, really good test session when you're in the final six to seven weeks is to actually go and do a four to four and a half hour simulation ride at your target power output making sure you're fueling yourself appropriately like you would in a race and actually then seeing how it feels, seeing what your heart rate does. If your heart rate stays under control or if it starts to really rise, then you probably think it, then it's a very good indication that you're not going to be able to sustain that. So that's use it as a starting point, then go out and do all your test sessions and uh, and make sure that it's realistic for you. I think there's a lot of people that don't do enough long iron distance training sessions you know as I said four to four and a half hours at race effort no breaks whatsoever you're on your euro bars you're doing your nutrition and you're pretending you're in a race and trying to choose a course that's fairly similar to what you're actually going to do on race day and that's going to give you your best indication doing one hour reps um, and doing interval Ironman intervals is fantastic training but once you start getting past that sort of four hour mark then it becomes a bit more real for what it's actually like in an Mm. Ironman um so yeah, there you go, Brian. I think the, the timing you're doing it is is good to give yourself a little bit of a baseline, but um, once you get, inside that sort of last eight weeks I wouldn't be doing um, FTP tests in order to change your zones they'd more be be beating yourself up very very hard training sessions rather than actually trying to search for personal bests because when you're going through that phase of training as well the chances are you're probably not going to be doing lots of really really high intensity training it's going to be more sort of strength work or long distance reps rather than actually doing you know, specific workouts are gonna help your 20 minute performance. Good times. Um, okay, John, let's go website. Oh, let's, we'll save, actually no, we'll do this. Carry on, carry on. Of the week. <laughs> website <laughs> of the week. Yeah, this is just a quick one, it's more of a plug than anything. It's a I'll, cool race. Uh, Arno Sulikov sent over an email, he said in nine weeks time, uh, no, on the 9th of September, so the weekend after next, he's doing the Evergreen 228. It's a crazy course the winning time is like 16 hours you, you, 16 hour plus for the winning loads time. of time to do the race but what he really likes about doing this event is they're really they're trying to do a bit more than just doing a triathlon they're trying to be carbon neutral zero plastic bottles um could you use the local bus
2: to like, get there you've got to use transport,
1: transport and they're also trying to invest um, money into the local community now the event is in an awesome part it's actually where we uh, finished our Epic Camp France oh, really? last year and the, the swim is actually just down the road in the lake that we are actually doing all our swimming from and uh, it's it's an epic bike ride they're doing so we've talked about a couple of different races uh, today that are pretty epic but you swim in uh, uh, Lac Le Monde. And uh, that's a nice place to swim, especially at this time of the year when we were there. it was still a little bit fresh and uh you end up biking over to Charmonix and doing uh the run around that area there. so it'll just be a, it's nice a big ski resort isn't it Charmoni mm, yeah. all, all around that area you just you'll be going over some epic big climbs there's five over five thousand meters of climbing, doing lots of the Tour de France t- style climbs so. Check it out. It's called the uh,
0: Evergreen Endurance Race. And, and I'll uh, put a link to that. And dub, 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 I am talk to me. John, let's talk about this week's Wanger of the Week. So Wanger of the Week, yep. you've, you, what do you You've already done the work? Yeah, I, I have. So
1: uh, I've just got to pick a number there between. What, okay. what, what one, and one, and one and nine. One and nine. Wanger so of the Week. You're going to see. nine. Say, generate. This is purely random. Ram. all oh, number five. What's number five? Number Evan? five. Number five
0: is the cream cream. Pass the chamois cream. Pass the chamois cream. Yes, and that's good old Ben Boyd's taking it out again. So this is the
1: most bike time. He crushed everybody. Ben Boyd did 20 hours and 24 minutes from just four rides. That's good effort. Very good effort. Uh, Second place, we had Tomas Koskinen. with 10 hours and 49. And the meow. The meow (laughs) was in... (laughs) third place with a very impressive nine hours 47 off two two rides only yeah nice and then the girl side of things girl side of things rachel cunningham took it out seven hours 42 uh lynette warne was in second 605 and joe coom was in third was three
0: hours and five ben boyd has been putting the hard yards in this month in his current month he's done nearly three thousand k's of riding mm. he's ridden 95 hours in a month Goodness, he's doing a lot of writing, Ben. You're you're smashing it. <laughs> I know. I
1: want to generally just focus on doing one um, section, one a, week. section yep. a week. But we've got to give uh, some thumbs up to the smallest or least training amount this week. <laughs> okay, who is it? James Thomas, oh. the, the Red <laughs> Rocket. He came over on our five camp. minutes and twenty-five <laughs> minutes. James,
0: pick up your game. Sharpen up, mate. Sharpen pick up. up your game. <laughs> Oh, good times rock and roll. Okay, Jonbo. Uh, sponsor. Some, sponsor. Let's talk about extreme, uh, extreme endurance. endurance.
1: So if you're coming towards Kona or you're coming towards your main race, especially if you're in the Southern Hemisphere and the weather's still pretty changeable, that being said, we've had some fantastic days in Christchurch. Uh, get on the Immune Boost Look after yourself. I know the mountain snail got his uh, dose the other day to get him through all of uh, the rest of winter and make sure he's in shape for all his breaker challenges. Uh, he's, he's a, a fanatical brekker. He's got the tattoo, I think. He won't know anything about Iron Man in a little period of time. He mm. loves his Brecker. but um, I got lots of people down in New Zealand who swear by the immune. You boost. could say
0: if, if, um, a a fast is a fast bricker athlete. <laughs> Come uh, on, uh, that was pretty uh, good. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, if you if you want to keep
1: yourself healthy. Get on the immune boost and keep your training consistent. Minimize the risk of getting uh, sick. Maybe Thomas should have been on the immune boost. Mate, Don't know it's if It's your fault. It's your fault. With conjunctivitis <laughs> and uh, and headache, but uh, <laughs> you never know. See, the Canterbury rugby team got it. Yes. Yeah. Maybe Thomas got it off yeah. there, hanging out with yeah. them. Yeah. So, Remember, if you're looking for any products off the .com or over the European website, use the promo code IMTalk20. You get a twenty percent discount. And uh, if you are looking for that little extra edge, give the standard Extreme Endurance a test. Only takes a seventy-two hours or so to kick in. But if you've got a race coming up and you just want that extra couple of percent, get on it. Check it out. XEndurance.com.
0: And you always think about how you rotate their products throughout the year. In your peak season, you're going to be using extreme endurance. In yeah. your off-season, you're going to get an immune boost. Exactly. No, there's, a, there's a strategy, team. There's Periodization strategy. of popping your pills. <laughs> That's right. Periodization of popping your pills. Anyway, questions yeah. and no, answers. Please. John, it's a sad day for an iconic triathlon challenge. So this is pretty sad, isn't it? Was this one I mentioned last week? I'm not sure. Did you mention it last week or the yeah, week before? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but pretty sad. Again, it was just Douglas like, like, Weymouth. When he was doing an arch to arc challenge, he died in the channel.
1: What a horrible thing. It is a horrible thing. So, the Enduro Man is the race that goes from, uh, from the UK all the way across to Paris. So, uh, I didn't realise how long it takes him to do the swim. Well, how long does it take? So, the rec- I think the fastest guys can do it in seven hours, but it can take people up to 20. Seven hours to do the swim And I was looking Talk about tides, but Isn't it Yeah I was looking Well I was looking At the Enduro Man website And The guys that were doing it They were taking sort of Around the 20 hours mark To do the swim I can't fathom Swimming that f- distance Or that God, duration it's going kind to of ruin you Doesn't it
0: oh, Remember goodness. remember that guy Kieran The Irish guy Yeah And he came to stay with me Back mm-hmm. when he was doing yeah. Your, yeah Yeah And he's at it And he's He's, he's, he's wait a minute. And he goes Oh I didn't swim for three years after that. <laughs> it was <laughs> like I was over it. Oh, yeah. But just, we got an email through from Matthew McKenzie and he's just mentioning Douglas and he's saying, Doug was a very experienced ultra endurance athlete completing many Iron distance events including Ironman UK, Ironman Wales and the Outlaw. Two years ago, he completed the continuous quintuple Iron distance at the Enduro man Festival. He also climbed Everest and many of the world's highest peaks. So it sounds like he was a, he was a pretty mm-hmm. amazing man who liked the challenge and it's very sad that he went this way. Um, Yeah, it's just kind of sad stuff. We also got an email through from Tom Bland, and he was just kind of saying a couple of things. First of all, um the question about the timing of the marathon he really enjoyed that because um even though it took me 10 years to answer it it did because he was saying he's a, he's a pretty quick runner he's done a 115 half oh yeah nice. but he's only done a 251 full oh yeah Good work on that. <laughs> no that you plug that in <laughs> no no he was right he was right he's got his he, um I've done both w- winter spring marathons in the season a number of times and never managed to make it work i run a pb at wellington this year 251 I have one fifteen and a half, so I should be able to go quicker than that, but often don't run with my head. So I've only just started enjoying my running again over the last two months. I think the psychology of the mental damage of a marathon should never be underestimated, especially if you're going to smash the marathon, which is a really
1: good point, isn't it? Well, I think he's exactly right there. Not just a marathon, but any endurance endurance race. And that's why I was sort of mentioning, you know, if Lionel Sanders did go super deep, slightly different for pros, but uh, it's really hard to back that up. And for a troop athletes, you know, I'm... You're you're a wreck after that peak performance, you know. Oh. Like when we when I, we did wrote. It was no, three hours no. before you got off that bridge chair. Yeah. <laughs> there's no way. Just, and, and the, the pros probably a bit different because they're used to going there. It's just like that repetitive, yeah. you repetitive. Once you do it off, more often than often, you get kind of used to it. And then Laura said, oh, she was off racing, you know, bloody the, the next weekend almost.
0: Yeah. There's no way. <laughs>
1: I, a, I'd perform poorly, but B, mentally, it's just, you just leave it all out there.
0: But And, and it sounds like Tom, no, I don't know how you race, Tom, but when you, you're obviously bloody fast running one fifteen half. So the thing is, is learning the skill of control is often the problem mm. for people like that, isn't it? Is mm-hmm. that you know to do a good marathon, you've got to you've got to control that first. bit. you know, like it's such an art. Yep, and just have get a
1: GPS watch, and uh, and, that's and the thing stick to your There's less
0: of an excuse nowadays, isn't there? Mm. Back in the old days, it was very much based on feel, and you were trying to calculate as you run. Yeah. But nowadays, the tools are so
1: great. I remember doing that. You're running along, you're going. And then the bloody timing markers are out. Yeah. That, when I did Auckland Marathon, you know, I'm watching, I think I'm going, I've just done 10K and I can see the 10K marker bloody up in the distance. And so if you are working off that, it can be quite significantly yeah. different. Yeah. And uh, it's bloody hard thinking on the fly. So I agree. And Tom
0: Moore says, more importantly, Bevan's monologue about the importance of social aspect of sport for mental well-being is absolutely brilliant. I have my own mental health issues and have always used Triathlon as therapy. But the competitive nature of the sport can also contribute to my own anxiety. This makes the social aspect of the sport so important for mental well-being. <clears throat> I thought Bevan's comments were right on point. And he's, he's, from, he's saying, I've also been working establishing a triathlon squad as a part of our running club and tri-club in... Mm, how do you say that one? I'm not very good. Capity Capity. Kapuri. Capity. Um And there'll be some great ideas for engendering, um, engendering the club vibe but I love that he finished it. He's got cheer. Cheer, <laughs> Tom. And that's a real Kiwi thing. Cheer, bro. That's a real Kiwi kind of comment. So I really love that one. So some good points there, Tom. Thanks for that. Um, John... It's some patrons. Patrons.
1: Gil, the Golden Shoes, Ola Johansson. That's a good name. We've
0: got Grant, the King of Swing, Richards. And Michael, the King of the Castle, Morpeth. You're the Dirty Rascal. Mm-hmm. So if you want to become a patron, on so, just go to Bevan James. Oh, not Bevan James. I, I <laughs> was <laughs> go to. I Am Talk. Who cares about that other podcast today? You go to I Am and uh, it's all pretty obvious on the website. If you contribute, you go into the draw to come to Kona with us next year. You also get some swagger basing on the level that you contribute to the show. And one of the key things for us is it
1: does ensure that every second year we've got some funds to actually get us over to Kona. Yeah. And uh, we know how much you guys love the Kona coverage, and we love doing it. I mean, that post race stuff we did
0: last time, I thought was just wicked. We just yeah. about captured all the finishes there. So It's you the, 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 the one moment. When you get the real emotion of an athlete. Yeah. You know, you call when you interview athletes, it's really cool. But it's, you know, it's when you get them in the raw emotion across the finish line in disappointment or even elation, it's just a pretty special time.
1: And I'm still blown away how so many of them have actually got the, the capacity to talk to us again when yeah. I finished right <laughs> <If you laughs> I yeah. didn't want to do that interview for bloody hours yeah. but, and we just shove a mic in front of somebody and uh, so it is pretty raw so you go to me, click on the support button and then become a patron and uh helps us get over there for
0: next year okay Jombo sponsors Athlinks.com social networking for endurance athletes and extreme endurance your lactic buffer and your patrons thank you to all the patrons of the Tom, show Tom John, Tom John Tom John, he's pulling Tom. Pulling his boy over, he's not listening to him. Story what, of his what's, life. What's what's been happening, Bevan? Uh, not much, come really. Come, ahead, come, come, sit over here, mate. Come sit over here. Um, we've been just. Uh, did, did you watch the rugby, Tom? Um,
1: come, come, talking to here. No.
0: No, you got to come there. Sit down, sit down, nice and low, mate. And get, get nice and close to your dad. So, Tom, what's what's your favourite sport? Um, football. You like your football, do you? And but you also run. You do a lot of sport yeah. as well, do you? Yeah, yeah and and it, well, I like to know that you, you you think you're a bit better than your mum when it comes to running don't you yeah <laughs> well, so why are you off school today mate
2: because uh, I have conjunctivitis
0: oh no you suck but it looks like you're enjoying your day off school <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah and what's your favourite subject at school uh, maths did oh, you get that from your dad yeah 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 who's your favourite football player Uh. I have no clue right now. Your team? Man United. Oh, Man, dirty man, man United. Man United top on. Oh, he Man
1: United. Pretty happy with the start of the season, aren't you?
0: Yeah, like the top of the league right now, aren't top they? Of the
1: league, 4-0, 4-0, 2-0.
0: Geez, you know the scores even?
1: Yeah, it's only been three games. Do you watch it? Uh, not much. No, I do. Watch yeah, do. a little bit of the highlights.
0: Yep. How'd your team go this year? Uh, good. Yep. Did you, what, what position do you play? Defence. Oh, nice, nice, nice.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you might not have heard that i said do you want to tell you how much you love your mum but he doesn't no but your dad's pretty wicked though isn't he yeah yeah
0: Greaser. your greaser. so what about you john what's your goss what's my goss uh, i've got a wooden
1: spoon wooden spoon that's my recommendation of the week it's not it's not a product review if you want to get some high quality ice cream Check out Wooden Spoon Ice cream.
0: Oh, okay. So it's not eat it with a Wooden Spoon. No. you never heard of Wooden Spoon, John. It's
1: only a select supermarkets. Oh. Uh, not pack and save? <laughs> no, but I have been having the pack and save experience the last few weeks. And I should have probably listened to you and Ian Wood and other fellow cheap asses. Saved you a so lot of money. Significantly cheaper. How much? I'm still working out my averages, but yeah. it's, it's enough to... to I reckon 20, 30 trip. bucks.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I definitely agree with that, so... Yeah. And admittedly, I don't do this shopping anymore, so
1: it doesn't bother me Yeah, no, it's, it's a significant <laughs> saving.
0: Well, you talk about wooden spoons. So one thing I find, John, is there needs to be... I like myself a Magnum. Do you like a Magnum? This is 10 times really? the a Magnum. But it's like it's, a gooey... It's expensive. But like, is it an ice
1: cream or is it a no, tub? No, it's a little tub. Oh, okay. Ten bucks for a little tub mm. that big. But it's, Mate, you're uh, in big money business, aren't you it's, uh, you won the uh, big Wednesday quality.
0: well no but I like a magnum but the one thing I don't like about a magnum is at the bottom when you get to the wood bit the wood takes adds a bit of texture to the experience right then I need to create a way where I don't know
1: you, 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 you don't have I like it. the Memphis meltdown with that layer of Gooey caramel.
0: Oh, I like the gooey, the gooey raspberry. Mm. Oh.
1: Got to put it in your pocket for a while to let it melt. <laughs> you put it in your pocket. You put it in your pocket. <laughs> when you take it out of the freezer, you put it in your pocket for a while just to let it sort of. Is it warm a nice cream warm in your pocket up, or warm, you up, <laughs> warm up that temperature, bit so the the gooey that is gooey. It's not solid hard. Mm. Mm. Just your birthday it, John.
0: Okay. Joe, she's turning 41.
1: Have you done your bloody... Uh, yeah, my float tank, I didn't have a week. I did it on right. Friday. Tell us. Okay, so... I don't know why you'd do this, but I'm, I'm intrigued to know why.
0: So, float tanks, for those who don't know about it, is basically you, you go into this room. It's pretty high end, so they showers and you go to the shower. It's, it's a quite a nice kind of personal experience because you go in, beautiful shower in the room, and stuff, so you, they, have, and they have all the nice lotions and potions, and so you, you get in the shower... You know, everyone's watching. No, you're not watching. You're by yourself. And then there's this kind of this big dome tank, Mm -hmm. um, probably maybe twice the size of this table. It's great podcast. (laughs) (laughs) How big is the table John, Maybe a metre and a half? Two two metres by two metres ballpark. Okay. So, um, and then you go in the tank, you, I wasn't sure If you meant to I took my dog So I took my speedos yeah. But mm-hmm. I, I, And then We actually went naked John So I was a mm-hmm. bit Kind of free with the world And then uh, It's full of Epsom salts I think All So right. And the water tank Of the tank Is the same temperature As your body temperature mm-hmm. So And then what you do Is you put Airplugs in So you It's basically Totally silent mm-hmm. Although I did get some Bubbles in my earplugs Early <laughs> on <laughs> <laughs> That was a bit annoying I was like, Get out bubbles um, And then Then you, There's a light You can have a light on If you're a bit claustrophobic mm-hmm. or you turn off and I'm, I'm not claustrophobic so i turned it off and it is totally black like mm-hmm. it's black out and then you're just lying on the water
1: and so how much of your body is submerged like
0: kind of half right you know yep. so like your head you know, you're, you're not holding your head up you just yeah and you know, hold you up and then so because I, I you know i meditate every day so i just kind of went and did my meditation so you're mm-hmm. there for an hour so the first 10 minutes they have some kind of eerie fairy music on and then that music fades out and then at the end of it like, to bring you back out in five minutes and um, I yeah so I thought well I'll just do what I do when I meditate and it, you know, it was kind of a deeper experience on my meditation to be honest
1: what are they advised doing I would have thought most people just fall asleep
0: I did, well, that's the thing because I've already got a process I go to and mm. I did speak to a girl yesterday and she said I went to sleep because I think it's 90 bucks or 80 bucks to do it. So it's not cheap. It's
1: not time to go for a slave. Yeah. Was just
0: like, oh, I wouldn't pay 80 bucks to do that again. But I have to admit, I was very relaxed. And I mm. do feel I went to a deeper level that what I go for. for my. I've got three. And mm. they say you you should do it at least more than once because the first time is just an odd experience. But for me, mm. I've got a process that I went to. So I wonder mm. for people who don't have downtime in their life and mm. don't have a process what their experience of it is, because it is your very, uh, just, you very are just you you it's just your thoughts, yeah, yeah nothing else you can know. do yeah, now, now imagine for you know for you, your meditative state's probably a long ride, mm. you know you know it's probably when you go for a long ride and you just get to a rhythm of where you are, you know, I imagine it might be a similar experience to that, yeah um I, I think i I will be into. It'll be interesting to see once I've done three if it's something I feel I want to do again because you know I'm a tight ass fundamentally and <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want really to spend that much kind of money. But, but I, I yeah I yeah I, I'm, I'm reserving judgment. I thought there was some value in it. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. Got next round of the JD Duathlon's coming up this weekend
1: and uh, that's about it. Went to the movies as I said. Had my one so night. We went to the
0: movie when the rugby game was on. Yeah. That was a bad timing.
1: Yeah. It was a good game of rugby. Well, it wasn't looking like it was going no, to be the day, week before. It was yeah. just, I turned it off the week before. It was so boring. Yeah. Uh, so, well done, you Aussies. I'm picking up your game.
0: You didn't quite get across the line. But it wasn't really they picked up the game. We just made lots of mistakes in the first bit and every time we made a mistake they got to try. Mm. It was unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> I was like... Like, well, there was one time, with the well, first try we intercept pass, so it was a bit of a cock up. The second time, we were just pushing off their scrum. the scrum was going back, and like, when's the penalty, they managed to get the ball out, and then there's a gap because we've created this big push off the scrum. I'm um, hearing excuses. No, no, because we won, John. There's no <laughs> excuses. We're very happy. Okay, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm not Train hard. Train smart. Kia ka.